Pearl Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. This is the season of Epiphany. And in Epiphany, traditionally, the church basks in the light of Christ revealed to us. But contrary to our expectations, we find that the light of God shines out today from the marginalized as God listens attentively to the voice of Christ from the wilderness. God is revealed to the oppressed in ways that the powerful don't know, so that our salvation is wrapped up into listening to their voices. This year, we are again picking up our sermon series, Voices from the Wilderness. And this sermon series situates us as attentive listeners to theological voices that cry out from the wildernesses of oppression and injustice in our society. In past years, we've heard the witness of Black theology, feminist theology, and Latin American liberation theology. And we've also heard from eco-theology, indigenous theology, and womanist theology. This year, we're turning our sights on three additional voices. Uh, first, from the United States, we'll listen to the voice of Mujerista theology, which gives voice to the Latina experience of God. From Korea, we'll listen to Minjong theology, uh, the exploited who see the suffering servant among them. And then from India, we'll listen to Dalit theology, the untouchables who belong at table of the kingdom of God. But today, first, we'll turn our attention to Mujerista theology, which gives expression to the experience and self-articulation of Latinas in the United States. One of the primary voices of Mujerista theology is Ada Maria Isasi Diaz, who's written several books, including uh, this one, En la Lucha, In the Struggle, and Hispanic Women, Prophetic Voice in the Church. Now, Mujerista is a term coined from the Spanish word for woman, mujer, as they began working with Latinas, theologians like Asazi Diaz encountered strong opposition to the term feminist, which many Latinas considered hyper-individualist and anti-family, and it didn't resonate with the communal Latina cultures. But also, feminist theology tends to express the views of white women and focus only on issues of sexism as the primary oppression, whereas Latinas experience an intersection of oppressions not just sexism, but classism, racism, and ethnocentrism. So these theologians coined the term mujerista to signal attentive listening to the Latina experience. Now, before we begin, there's two things we have to do to get situated here. And first, it's important that I self-disclose, and I'll explain why in a moment, why this is important. In writing and sharing this sermon, I speak as a white male. I speak as someone who was raised in an upper middle class evangelical white suburb in the Bay Area of California. 
I speak as someone who generally has had access to privilege in all areas, education, career, whiteness, speaking English, and so forth. And I also speak as a gay man whose experience of marginalization in the church, however minimal, has cracked open the shell of privilege and has allowed me to start questioning and listening to voices that are unlike my own. Now, that situating and self-disclosing statement is an important part of the work of Mujerista theology, uh, because as we'll see, we don't do our theology in a vacuum. And just like me, Pearl Church, we also have a background that informs our church's understandings and ways of interpreting life, scripture, and the divine. To help us see this and to appreciate some of the differences that Mujerista theology brings, I found it helpful to, to think about a, a spatial metaphor. Okay, So as part of the Western church, when we ask, where do we find God? Where is God speaking? We generally have an orientation up and an orientation back, uh, which is an orientation toward purity. Now, up. Uh, by this, I don't mean that uh, we think God is up, God is in heaven, uh, not, not that metaphor. Rather, what I mean is that in the, word, in, in the West, when we want to have objectivity, we, we, we want truth, we want to pull up out of the muddle of daily life, and we want to see things as if we were seeing them like God, with this God-like vision, this absolute clarity. Uh, so in the church, this has meant that when we talk about faith, we tend to start from abstract categories. Uh, God is Trinity. God is omnipotent. God is eternal. And from those abstract up places, we then start to work out what that might mean down here in our daily lives, how we should live and behave. We start up in the universal, and then we move down, if ever, to the particular. So we want pure vision, pure objectivity. But not only up, we are also oriented backward toward historical sources. And this is a really ancient impulse in the Western civilizations. Uh, in our history, we often hear the call ad fontes, to the source, uh, we tend to look back to founding times, whether it be the early church, you know, we want to be like the early church, or the founding fathers of America, or other great authorities that are behind us. And so this men, means that because of the way things have been historically, we tend to look back to what men in power have said. In the church, this not only looks like prioritizing scripture, it means that we tend to prioritize voices that agree with the authorized and historical understandings of God and humanity. So, up, we tend to prioritize pure objective vision, and back, we tend to prioritize pure sources of authority which are in the past. So, to get truth, we try to get out of our particularity and be objective and align with historical authorities. Okay. Now, for Mujerista theology, the orientations are not up and back, but rather down and forward. Against the supposed purity of objectivity and authoritative sources, Mujerista theology insists that because we are all limited and situated humans, no one can have a truly objective vision. As Isazi Diaz writes, Mujerista theology denounces any and all so-called objectivity. What passes as objectivity in reality 
merely names the subjectivity of those who have authority or power to impose their point of view. So instead of objectivity, she writes, what we should be claiming is responsibility for our subjectivity. All theology has to start with self-disclosure. As a theologian, I'm obliged to reveal my concrete story within the framework of the social forces I've lived in. I am called to reveal the pivotal forces and issues that have formed me and that have served as my main points of reference. So why, why is self-disclosure essential in theology? Why did I have to start with a self-disclosure statement? Because whoever we are, our background and our frame of reference shape whose benefit we are going to seek when we talk about God. And this isn't necessarily ill-intentioned. Rather, it's unavoidable. For example, for me, as a white gay male who holds a lot of privilege, when I think about God and what God is up, in the, up to in the world, and then when I talk about what God is up to in the world, what makes sense and what resonates with me is going to be what benefits me and people like me. And the same is going to be true for anyone in any situation. So Mujerista theology starts by acknowledging this. And rather than trying to escape it, we name it up front so that we can say and ask, when I say this is what God is up to, or this is what God is like, who does that benefit? For example, who benefits from an up and back orientation? Uh, as Sazi Diaz notes, traditional theology offers intellectual backing for religious understandings and practices that are at the core of our churches, and it's easy to see who are in charge of our churches. Who? It's generally white men. And our orientations serve to benefit the status quo and benefit privilege. So mujeristas unashamedly situate themselves as seeking the benefit of Latinas in America. Not because this group is better than anyone, but because that's their community. When we pretend objectivity, by default, the dominant group gets what benefits them. But by openly naming what our allegiances are, where we're coming from, uh, rather than pretending objectivity, we can start to make space for more honest conversations about what's good for each community and how do we weave those various goods together to make room for all. So, uh, Mujerista theology begins, rather than looking up, by looking down. Down into the daily experience of Latinas. Down out of the abstract and into the particular, the daily, what Mujeristas call lo cotidiano, uh, the, the quotidian, the, the daily, the stuff, the tela, that makes up daily life for Latinas. Western Christianity tends to start by doing theology by abstraction, right? Nature of divinity, nature of salvation. But Mujerista theology starts instead by listening to the lived experience of marginalized Latinas and letting their lives set the theological agenda. So Mujerista theology seeks to amplify and give voice to lo cotidiano, the daily experience of Latinas, as a valuable and invaluable place for discovering the presence of God. Lo cotidiano has to do with particular forms of speech, experience of class and gender distinctions, the impact of work and poverty on routines and expectations, relations within families and among friends and neighbors in a community, the experience of authority, 
and central expressions of faith like prayer, religious celebrations, and the conceptions of key religious figures. The particulars of Latina experience in the United States include living in between intersecting oppressions, sexism, racism, classism, and linguistic cultural ethnocentrism. I think it's worth quoting Estasi Diaz at length here. She writes, sexism, once it is added to poverty and ethnic prejudice racism, takes on special characteristics. For example, the physical exploitation of Latinas is not just sexual abuse. The exploitation of their bodies through too long working hours under terrible conditions is equally abusive. And that we are exploited at work does not mean that we do not also suffer sexual abuse and exploitation at the hands of Latino men. There is no place where we are totally safe. The ethnic prejudice and racism that Latinas suffer results in lower wages. It's difficult to find a job that pays more than minimum wage. Add to this the fact that we continue to be responsible for providing and caring for children. We often have to use what we need to provide for others. This kind of personal sacrifice, plus the lack of good medical care, puts us at risk and often leads to premature aging. All of this leads Latinas to understand God and to relate with God in our own way. So for Mujeristas, the daily lives and struggles of Latina women become the place where we can discover the work of God. And the primary work of Mujerista theologians is to assist Latinas in seeing their own experience as worth articulating and bringing to the table. Uh, Sazi Diaz writes, women in general, but in particular poor women with little formal education, and even more so women whose first language is not English, as is the case with many Hispanic women, are commonly not considered quite capable of articulating what they think. Yes, many consider that Latinas' ability to think is at best limited. It's clear to see then why Mujerista theologies claim that grassroots Hispanic women are organic intellectuals, that their articulation of their religious understandings is an element of this theology, is in itself liberative. By inviting Latinas to look into their own experience and articulate it, Mujeristas aim to bring their voices to the table, both first to empower Latinas in their own lives, but also because the good of our wider community depends on learning from their vision. Uh, Asazi Diaz writes, we firmly believe that the religious understandings of grassroots Latinas are part of the ongoing revelation of God, present in the midst of the community of faith and giving strength to Hispanic women's struggle for liberation. So it is in looking down into the particularity of Latina experience that Mujerista theology helps to bring God's revelation to the wider church. So Mujerista theology doesn't only look down rather than up, it also looks forward rather than back. Instead of following traditional categories and seeking to assimilate to historical authorities, Mujeristas look forward to discern what is emerging from the diversity and challenges of today. Estasi Diaz writes, in a way, traditional theology, even the best of traditional theology, by insisting on following patterns established long ago, in my opinion, closes itself to the ongoing revelation of the divine in our midst. Those who do traditional theology call their way of proceeding faithfulness to the past. I call it blindness to the present and ignoring the God in our midst today. 
One of the primary ways Mujeris, the theology, articulates this looking forward, this attending to God in our midst today, is through attention to mestizaje. Mestizaje is a reclaiming of a slur, mestizo, which referred to the children of both indigenous and Spanish parents. But Mujeris has reclaimed this word to name a site of cultural creativity, a, a being in between, and choosing to identify proudly with mestizaje. Uh, she writes, mestizaje is grounded in the fact that we live in between, at the intersection of our countries of origin and the USA. In the USA, we're mostly marginalized people relegating to the outskirts of society, not really fully belonging. Regarding our countries of origin, we know that even if or when we do return, it is never really possible to go back. Mestizaje is not the attempt of one race to make another disappear. Mujeres to theologians affirm mestizaje as the coming together of different races and cultures in a creative way that precludes the subordination of one to another. We affirm it as the going forward of humankind. The going forward of humankind. By naming mestizaje as a site where God is bringing forward new expressions, Mujeristas look not back but forward. They insist that the contributions of diverse groups as themselves will spark transformation, which will bring new life to culture and to the church. And the important thing is not for everyone to assimilate to whiteness, for everyone to join the dominant culture, but rather for everyone to bring their distinctiveness to the table to contribute to a creative forming of a new thing, a new culture that includes us all. For example, Asazi Diaz writes that for many Latinas, Spanish is a marker of identity. If conquered people feel themselves systematically mistreated by their conquerors, they inevitably turn their language and culture into weapons of resistance, into tools with which they demand full equality within the conquering society. Especially in the U.S., where we tend to view those who don't primarily speak English as uneducated or backward, to maintain Spanish and to bring Spanish into the United States is a way of contributing difference with which we all can build creative new cultural expressions. For Mujeristas, any difference that Latinas bring in their understanding of family, of responsibility, their vision of oppression, their awareness of sexism and racism, that's not just a difference to be tolerated, but rather it's a difference that spurs on our transformation of our world toward wholeness. Far from trying to go back to a supposedly more pure time behind us, Mujeristas look forward to the way that as different peoples and cultures join, the, their different experiences of God will allow us to become permeable to one another. So, with all this in mind, what can we as Pearl Church learn from the witness of Mujerista theology? Well, first, we can acknowledge that as we talk about God, naturally we are going to resonate with and express faith in ways that benefit people like ourselves. It's not that this is wrong in itself, it's inescapable. But by naming this, we can become aware and we can choose to make space for voices and communities that are not usually heard. And we can confess that the benefit of our group cannot come at the expense of other groups. 
Secondly, mujerista theology can help us listen to those who have not traditionally had a voice at the table as an act of empowering them. By looking up and back, the Western church has tended only to listen to marginalized voices when they can easily be assimilated into the status quo. Emphasizing marginalized voices as the place where the divine is at work is a way to make clear that the self-understanding and articulations of Latinas, a people of color, indigenous peoples, the poor, these are every bit as theologically weighty as white, white male theologians and their abstract categories. Their voices, their self-articulations should change our faith. Without the contribution of these voices, we are not open to what God is doing today. And that leads me to the third witness of Mujerista theology for us at Pearl Church. As we talk more and more about equity as a value at Pearl, we need to be clear that diversity and difference is a call to whoever has privilege to be permeable, to be changeable. When a voice of difference comes to the table, that voice doesn't really have full belonging until those of us who are setting the table, who feel ownership, who have privilege at the table, until we are changed because of what the marginalized voice says. Diversity and difference is not just a matter of allowing or tolerating or even celebrating another group's experience. It means that all of us change we build something new as the unique constellation of experiences and voices that are here today join together, and we create a future together, a future which is good for all our diverse communities. God is not just adding them to us, but by bringing us together, is inviting us to create something altogether new, something which belongs to us all. Will you pray with me? divine love. May we hear the voices of those whom you love and invite all to the table. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. Mm-hmm.